Daisy. And I'm Terry. And this is the Monday Monday Mindset Mindset Podcast, Podcast. where we share things of interest to us and hopefully to you. So let's get started with episode number 192. And this week, it's Daisy's turn to share something with us. Daisy, what do you have? Well, Terry, I have something that I think, at least in part, neatly follows on from your episode last week, specifically the bit at the end where you were talking about good deeds. Mm. So it was it was tackling the behavior element, wasn't it, when you, mm-hmm. you mentioned that towards the end. This was uh, an article that just popped up in my Facebook feed. More and more, I think I age myself with being my most commonly used platform is Facebook. It's really, (laughs) these days, it's kind of known as the old fogey (laughs) social media platform, isn't it? But it's definitely mine and I like it and I'm sticking with it. So there you go. But this was an article that popped up from The Guardian and the journalist who wrote it is called Emma Beddington and it caught my eye. The headline is, Can Micro Acts of Joy Make You Happier? I tried them for seven days. This sounds interesting. It's an amusing article. It's it's a good read, actually. I recommend people have a read of it. It's not too long and it's very amusing. And she's got that sort of Brit humour going on. There are things that appealed to me. This says what what we're going to be talking about is uh, project-based in America. And a lot of us Brits are quite reticent. We sort of shy away from... The, I suppose quite sort of stereotypical, but I know a lot of Americans I know are like this. Of course, sort of, you know, quite big and bold and um, quite vocal with their, yeah, that's, you know, that's really awesome and great job and things like that. Us Brits sort of shy away from from stuff like that. I've, I've become a lot more comfortable with it because I've got lots of American friends. But so she was sort of very much coming from that sort of perspective, which which kind of made me laugh a bit. So yeah, the sub headline, she says, I'm not naturally overflowing with contentment and I'm not optimistic that this Californian program is the answer, but I'm ready to give Big Joy a chance. And that's what it's called, Big Joy. It's a free project that you can do. It's a citizen science project. So they collect the data and I'm going to jump over now quickly to the website and it's it's quite fun. It's it's all very colourful and as soon as you click on it, it comes up with all the places that people have joined in. Um, just looking at this, there are over uh, 350,000 micro acts of joy that have happened as part of this project. Um, over 90,000 participants in over 200 countries. So you can take part. It is a seven minutes a day for seven days where you discover which micro acts of joy, and I have to shout that joy because it's in capitals, work best for you and be part of the largest ever citizen science project on joy. I thought this, this sounds quite fun. The premise is, she says, this is the journalist, that we can work out what makes us feel good and do more of it. And here she's quoting Elissa Eppel, Eppel, not quite sure how to pronounce that, who's a um, psychiatry professor at the University of California, San Francisco, and also the author of The Seven Day Stress Prescription, which I also had a look at and which looks very good. Um, But she says, micro acts of joy focus 
us on what is good about the life in front of us and how we can make it better. Um, And I thought it might be a fun thing to do. I know I'm very big on saying I'm going to do things and quite often don't do them, but I might actually give this a go. And so hopefully there are some people at home who might have a go too. And maybe we could revisit in a little while and maybe could, people could um, get in touch with us and tell us how they found it. I immediately thought of Becky, our mutual friend, Becky, who I know has done similar sort of type courses to this. I can imagine her taking part, so I shall, I shall have to rope her in. But so this is basically the journalist Emma Beddington is telling us about her experience of the Big Joy project that she took part in. And like I say, she's quite funny about it. So day zero, getting started. So apparently once you sign up, you get emails coming through giving you your instructions for each day. And uh, apparently it kicks off getting ready with an exhortation to listen to a recording of people laughing. Uh, she, she says, I don't enjoy this. It feels overblown and fake, like a sitcom laugh track. What the hell do you all have to laugh about? So, like I say, she's, she's got that sort of <laughs> not exactly over-exuberant and optimistic, typical Brit perspective. But she gets into it and she says, yeah, she, she understands this is just sort of working out a baseline and she's, she's quite excited for what's to come. So day one, celebrate another's joy. And so in comes the, the first challenge on day one. So you have to choose a person or people in your life and you plan to ask them about something fun, wonderful or inspiring that they've experienced or that has made them feel proud recently. She asked somebody at choir practice that she does and a friend of hers told her about how wonderful it was to hold her first granddaughter in her arms. And uh, this is one of these examples where her writing made me laugh. She says that Big Joy suggests I nod, smile and say stuff like, that must have felt great. But I'm not an American, she says, so I don't. (laughs) (laughs) My smile is absolutely real, though. And then she goes on. Full disclosure, I also found myself telling a sad anecdote about a dead gold crest, which absolutely no one needed to hear. (laughs) So, you know, it's quite funny. Um, So apparently when you check in after your day, you have to rate your mood straight after the mission and again at the end of the day. Day two, you are a force of good. And she says, the demonstrably incorrect title of day two makes me frown when it appears in my inbox. And before she can explore further, she says she, she, you have to do a morning check-in every day. And she says the questions are the same morning and night. To what extent I'm feeling pleasant emotions like delight, pride or hope. And then separately, how much she's feeling unpleasant emotions like distress, sadness, anger. And she says she finds it quite hard, but also interesting to split her emotions into this um, positive, negative scale. And she said that the big joy Q&A explains that it's helpful for our own self-knowledge and also for the scientific study that we become aware of all our feelings. 
And so this, you are a force of good, which she found a bit misleading. The task is actually to listen to a Buddhist prayer. And she said this one, she felt really skeptical about and felt really silly doing it. But she said by the end, she got really emotional about it. And it felt quite negative. How can I be a force for good? She felt, she says she felt utterly powerless. Day three, shift your perspective and for this day, and this is, this is something that we've talked about before, it's about reframing. So on that day, she had to think of a time recently where she felt frustrated, anxious, or upset. And <laughs> In brackets, she says, it would be harder to think of a time I'm not. And then take a deep, slow breath and write three positive things that came out of it. And I know this is something that we've talked about before, haven't we? And... Um, she struggled to think of anything where she could find an upside to. Quite amusingly, she says, how can I find an upside? I can't see an upside to being impersonated by online scammers, getting ringworm or becoming frighteningly incapacitated with anxiety over the summer. <laughs> so instead, I decide to focus on my dog's death, um, <laughs> at which point I confess I'm questioning when the joy bit starts. <laughs> but... When she did start thinking about it and she took her deep breath, she remembered, you know, how close she felt to her husband who was sitting crying next to her and things. So, you know, she's starting to sort of get into it a little bit and starting seeing some other things, particularly picking up on opportunities for connection. Day four, uh, <laughs> I was just thinking this. Ah, this old chestnut is how she starts. Make a gratitude list. And I think we've all heard this ad infinitum now. I mean, it was one of our first episodes, but I don't think, I doubt there's anyone out there who hasn't heard of the benefits of doing a gratitude list of some kind. And sometimes it's it's really hard to get on board with it. You're just like, do I have to? Yes, I know studies show it can be blah, 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 blah. And of course they have. So she did a big eye roll at this. But, you know, she committed to giving this a go. So she did give it a go. And just like me, who had always come up with my dogs, but she came up with uh, one of hers was her chickens. She keeps chickens. So she was really grateful for her chickens. She was grateful for her affectionate and endlessly tolerant husband, a best friend who makes her life better every day, opportunity to watch her sons become interesting adults and her chickens. And then she says at the end, she was thankful she didn't have to rank which one she was most grateful for. <laughs> Going to be hurtful to the husband if the chickens rank higher. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, day five, dwell in awe. Awe can make us feel more connected and compassionate and can increase feelings of physical and mental well-being. So she decided to do this nature-based awe exercise watching a video of Yosemite, I've just been told, is how you pronounce it, not Yosemite. <laughs> <laughs> Terry was looking at me, I have, I have no idea. <laughs> Help me out here, Daisy. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, I'm sure it's in America. But yeah, as soon as she said it, oh yeah, okay, that sounds familiar. That's why it didn't sound familiar to me either. It looked familiar. <laughs> <laughs> but while she was doing that, a worrying work issue came up that was just 
spiraling her. She said, you know, the footage is very beautiful, but it just wasn't really registering with her because she was having such a stressy work thing going on. So instead, she went outside and sat in the garden and apparently a robin came very close and sat next to her and she was watching the birds and things like that. And so so she was saying, um, suburban York is where she are. She was saying it's no Yosemite, but it did take her out of her head and gave her a little bit more of perspective on her work programs. So that, and again, this is, this is something that we've mentioned before, this getting out into nature and giving you some perspective by feeling some awe at your surroundings. Day six is tune in to what matters. And on this day, she had to rate values, virtue, fairness, goodwill, and unity, and explain how they inform and shape your day-to-day experiences. She says, at this point, she started to feel slightly mutinous. She says she thought she was signing up for seven days of joy-inducing challenges, like cuddle a baby, stroke a puppy, eat a cake, splash in a puddle, that sort of thing. Um, But instead, she was getting homework every day. (laughs) So, uh, So she dutifully rated her values and spent some time feeling bad about how little, apparently, she embodies them. And she says, it's not sparking joy, but big joy says a micro act of joy that doesn't result in joy for you doesn't mean anything negative about you, you wonderful human. And she says, as a reward for doing all her homework, she went and did something that she does enjoy, which was playing with her hens. (laughs) So, yes, I think chickens probably did come top of her top of her list. But she says when she's doing her mood check-ins every day that she's uh, struck with how often she finds that she's scoring herself above average on both positive and negative emotions rather than all one way or the other. She says she's always anxious, but on closer examination, she's also contented. And she says this, she thinks, is getting to the heart of what big joy is teaching, identifying or finding joy amid negative emotions and experiences. Yeah. And I know that's, that was something that really came home to me when my stepfather was really ill and unfortunately died. The little moments where you felt joy at something really sort of stood out with this beacon and you kind of felt uncomfortable about them because you felt uncomfortable about feeling joy in a moment when everything should have been sad. But they stood out and it really brought it home to me that you can hold the two things at the same time. It is possible to do that. And so I quite like that. It seems that it's, it's you know, it's making you more aware of these different things. And day seven, this is where it comes back to picking up on what you were talking about last week. Do something kind. This is the last challenge of the week. And she said, this feels manageable until she read the small print. And she's supposed to identify five separate people and do a kind thing for them. And she jokes, who am I? Amélie Poulain. That's the, I assume that's the film. Amélie. You remember the film, Amélie? Uh Uh-huh. The French film, yeah, she goes around doing kind things for people. 
She says, I don't even see five people for most days. And I laughed out loud here because that's, yeah, that's me. You think I struggled to think of five people. I'd have to go out and find five strangers for the most part. But she says on closer reading, she doesn't actually have to do all the all these acts immediately. She's just got to think about them. And so her things were, she's, okay, I'll darn my husband's jumper that he keeps showing me and I keep ignoring. I'll send a friend a care package, return a forgotten item to a colleague, give a compliment and drop some groceries at the food bank. She makes a start on this and, and she goes through some of them and, and feels good. But she says she also has to shame herself for not having enough social contact to make this task easy and not doing small kindnesses spontaneously more often and then you do a final check-in at the end where you get your own personalized joy report and apparently her well-being went up by about 14 percent predictably she said for her that's lower than the average and the average is about 23 percent but still very good the findings of the report echoed what she thought was that what made her happiest were the tasks involving other people and Epel, the psychiatrist I mentioned at the beginning, says the pro-social interventions help me the most. And that's no surprise. Happiness research suggests that kind acts for others are a powerful way to increase the subtle but lasting feelings of happiness. You know, Daisy, I think it's important maybe for all of us to think a little bit about why is that so? And I'm sure there's research that gives us some really specifics. But one of the thoughts I had about it is kind of going back to last week's episode. When we do good things for other people, when we take action, it helps us not feel powerless. And oftentimes the things that are bogging us down, that are stressing us out, that are making life more challenging are times when we feel powerless or like we can't have a positive influence. So when we do something nice, dropping off that food to the food bank or, you know, returning an item to someone, going out of our way to do something kind for someone, it helps us to feel like we can make a difference. We do matter. I think another big part of it is that it adds for us a sense of purpose for the challenges even. One of the books that I've talked about before about stress in my work community, and I can't remember which one specifically it was, they had college students write about what they did over winter break. And some of them kind of had nothing to report, like I didn't do anything. And then they asked, like, how do you feel? And some of them were more likely to have a cold or a virus or something, and they didn't feel good. You know, like they didn't, they weren't excited. They didn't feel rewarded at all from their break, even though they were on break from school. But some others wrote about they went home for break and they had to drive their siblings to school and take them to things. Mm. Now, some of us might think, oh, that poor kid, they came home from college on break and they had to do this stuff. But they came out of it feeling better, fewer colds, fewer physical you know, negative re reactions because they felt like their break, they had meaning over their break. They were valued, they were needed. Mm. And I think doing good deeds adds some of that for us. It helps us know that we have purpose. And oftentimes when we're more down or more, you know, struggling, we feel like we're, you know, bouncing around, wandering with no purpose. So I think there are some really specific ways that doing a good deed 
really serves us well and can bring that joy, not just in the moment when you do the good deed, but more likelihood to experience joy in other things after. Exactly. And I think it comes back again to that connection, doesn't it? And yeah, moving away from the sort of powerlessness that say, so an example this week, I have, I've mentioned before, is this, is this great local Facebook group, it's called Hastings Give and Takery. And it's what the name implies, it encompasses all sorts of things. You know, people are giving things away, people are asking for things for a variety of reasons, all sorts of reasons from people who are desperately in need to people who, you know, um, just really into recycling and upcycling, all sorts of reasons, but all sorts of things pop up and quite often really heartwarming things pop up. Sometimes it's really hard, isn't it? Not to feel a bit hopeless and powerless about things like people who are homeless, people who are struggling to survive, people who are struggling to get enough to eat, to keep themselves warm. And you just feel, how can I help? And you might, you know, you might give some money to local charities and things like that. And that you get some benefit personally from that, the, the feeling you get from it. But that individual connection so this post popped up I just come back I, I just come back from walking the dogs or something and a post came up that caught my eye somebody who needed a parcel collecting from another lovely local thing that's been set up it's like a it's like a food bank for pets basically so people who are struggling financially to feed their pets this is local pet pantry it's called and they collect pet food from all sorts of people and then they give it to people who need it to help feed their animals and this woman posted she you know she needed someone to pick up this package normally she would have gone and got it herself but she'd hurt her ankle and she couldn't get out and I'm like yeah okay I've I've got some time before I've got an online meeting yeah I can come I'll do that so I found out, you know, where I had to pick it up and where I had to take it to. And I thought, hey, you know what? I just made a big batch of pasta sauce. I'll take some of that along as well. So I split that in half and, and took some of that enough, you know, enough for a few days meals probably. And oh, yeah, I've got and I've got that bag of pretty full of bag of pasta, regular pasta that I'm not going to eat in the cupboard that my sister had for her kids. And, oh, there's a spare block of cheese. Let's let's take that as well. And, and I've got a spare couple of tins of dog food. I'll add that in. And yeah, yeah, why not put a bit of bit of cash in there as well? So I took my own bag. I went up and picked the, picked the bags up from the pet pantry and I took my own bag. And um, I had a chat with her, obviously, when I handed it over. And um, and asked her if she ate pasta sauce and it suddenly dawned on me I thought well I thought actually she probably can heat it because she said she was so she was parked by the side of the road in a caravan again in this freezing cold weather but she said it had smoke coming out the chimney so I thought she probably can heat stuff up but I did check and you know and she was thrilled and when I got home there was a lovely message in Facebook messenger um, saying oh gosh you know that that really hit the spot. That was a lovely meal I had. And, you know, thank you so much for picking those things up for me. And it was just really nice because you had that one-on-one. -on -one, oh, yeah, I made a difference to her. I helped her out today. And, yeah, and she helped me out because that made me feel really good to be able to do that for, for somebody. 
so I think those finding a good deed you can do for somebody in particular gives you that immediate feedback. You see the impact it has. You hear about the impact it has. And it makes you feel more empowered about, well, maybe I can help on a slightly larger scale. And maybe, and how could I do that? What other things could I do? You know, what other things could I add rather than just this one favor? Or perhaps Mm -hmm. I could throw a few more things in and make it that bit more. And rather than just feeling limited by, look, I don't have the means to just donate $10,000 every month to that organization. You don't need to. No. You can do something like going and picking this up and dropping it off. And that makes someone's day or week because it's so valuable to them. And so I think sometimes when we feel like we can't help, we feel like it's only worthwhile if I'm doing the really big grand gestures. And yours was so much more personal than that. It was helping her feed her animals, which obviously you value and was important to her, but then also helping her to have meal and, you know, got some things out of your house. And, you know, it's just, it's a win-win in all directions. Yeah. And it's the, it's the little things. And I see, I remember, and it was the same group. It was when I was giving away a piece of furniture that was coming out of storage and, I just knew it. I already was chock-a-block and I just knew I was not going to have room for it. So I posted it and someone came and picked it up. But we'd gotten into a bit of a conversation before she came and picked it up. And I was telling her, I was, oh, I was, a, I was a bit stressed with it all and I had a headache. She was like, hey, I've just made some stuff marrow. Do you want me to bring you over some dinner so you've got something to eat? And she did that for me. And it, mm-hmm. I mean, it was fantastic because it was perfectly keto as well. It perfectly fit in with the way I eat. And she brought me over enough for two meals. And that, you know, it's a relatively small thing, sharing mm-hmm. your dinner with somebody else. But that had a big impact on me. And it was also very memorable. I'll never forget that. You know, I'll never forget that little gesture of kindness. It meant a lot to me then. It means a lot to me now you know, complete stranger and also had a nice conversation when she came to pick it up, having that connection, you know. So, yeah, I think I think that last day, and that's probably one of the reasons why they leave it for the last day, it's kind of a culmination, isn't it? And the thing that probably has the most impact. The other thing that I'm just thinking overall about all seven days and the little exercises that this would encourage you to do It's finding the moments of joy. And as you said, that recognition that I can experience moments of joy even during difficult times. And typically what many of us often struggle with is not holding on to those moments of joy. We Mm. pass through them very quickly. But instead, what do we hold on to? The really hard parts, the downturns, the more painful, difficult, emotional triggers and things. And, you know, I've talked before about Rick Hansen and his son who do a podcast. And one of the things he's notorious for saying is that our brain is like Velcro for negative things. So Mm. all of our negative memories, all of the mistakes we've made, all of the times we didn't rise to the occasion or whatever it is, man, those are Velcroed right there. We're holding on to them. And he said that our brain is like Teflon 
to the positives. So we experience it, but it's so quickly gone by and we don't hold on to it. And one of the strategies he's always talked about is start emphasizing the positive things more. So this Mm -hmm. challenge is so important because it's really helping to reinforce, pay attention to those moments of joy, be in them. Don't just let them slide past you. Develop a little bit more Velcro for the joy moments because this will help all of our emotional well-being be more balanced. And, And your example of what she found instead of just reporting all of the negative that she had more positive and still the negative Mm. that's what life really is it is the combination and what some of us are looking for is that i should only be experiencing joy and i should never if i'm doing things right i shouldn't have to experience the other Mm. more difficult emotions and that's just not true or vice versa Mm -hmm. i should only be feeling sad at this moment Right. And so this this challenge of really helping us start to balance, identifying those moments of joy, creating opportunities for them, because some of us are not in practice of acknowledging them. And we need to kind of create the opening for them so that we can see and experience that they're happening and hold on to it for a while. This also helps us get through the tougher times when we know what joy feels like and what things can bring us joy. Let's say it's a really gloomy day. And one of the things that really brings you joy is getting out in nature and the birds and the sunshine and everything. And it's really gloomy. It's helpful to remember it doesn't stay gloomy every day, unless you live in the Midwest in in the United (laughs) States. (laughs) Um, But, you know, recognizing, yeah, it isn't that environment today, but it will be again. And I will have that experience of joy again. These are such important reminders for us, especially because we are going to run into reasons in our life. Like you said, when when you're losing a family member or job transition or housing loss or any of these really difficult things, we need these moments of joy being more available to us. And by practicing them, we're going to access them more, we're going to create them more, and we're going to hold on to the positive power of them more. So I think this is a great little challenge. I think it would be kind of fun, Daisy, if you and I did it, maybe see if Becky and some other people do it, and then report back what we experience. Mm, For sure. I, I like the way it sounds like, even though it's entitled Big Joy, they're not ignoring the quote unquote negative emotions they're getting you to focus on all the emotions mm-hmm. potentially look at ways of reframing some of them but they're getting you to focus on all of them and like with doing things like gratitude journaling and you were talking about this the other week sometimes we have to sort of be set challenges do homework actually force ourselves into the routine of making these notes every day for a period of time, doing the, I've mentioned it so many times, but doing the gratitude journal the first time I did it, it was so hard to do it to start with, but it really changed my perspective. Mm -hmm. It changed the way I looked at things. And even, you know, even just after reading this article, I'm thinking as I'm, as I'm driving to take the dogs for a walk, I'm just more aware of doing things like letting other drivers out. Hey, you know, 
I can see it's going to be difficult for them to get out in traffic. Is it really going to hold me up that much to let that one person out? Mm-hmm. And you can you can see the immediate look of relief and thanks. Oh, gee, thanks for letting me out. Little hit right there for me. That's right. And a little hit right there for them. And it costs me nothing. That's right. 10 seconds of time, maybe. That's right. You know, so it just starts having to do these kinds of exercise. Just makes you a little bit more aware, keeps you on the lookout for how you can do these little micro things Absolutely. throughout the day, even if you don't have a lot of connection. So yeah, I, I think this might be one of these things that I actually do. I will commit to doing it. And I think you can you can sign up for it at any time. So yeah. it's, it's not like we have to do it at a set time. But yeah, I would in- encourage people at home, give it a go and get in touch with this and see what you think. To me, it also reminds me of just kind of a thought process that I sometimes go through. And I it may sound kind of morbid, but I, I do think about when I'm at my end of my life, what do I want to reflect on? I also think, what music do I want to listen to? It's definitely 80s music. But um, <laughs> yeah, <you> know, me too. <laughs> I, I just think, what memories do I want flashing through my mind? What, what things do I want to reflect on? And it's probably easy for most of us to think of, I want to reflect on those big joys. Oh my gosh, remember that once in a lifetime trip I took to such and such a place? Yeah, it's nice to look at those. I don't think that's going to capture our whole life. What we really want to be able to do is really reflect on these micro experiences of joy, lots of little moments of joy that made our whole life, even the really challenging parts, worthwhile and, and, you know, fulfilling rather than if we only look at these really big moments of joy. Oh, like I remember my wedding day and I remember the first birth of the first child and this vacation or when I got that huge promotion at work. What about the thousands of small moments of joy that really rounded out your whole life? Yeah, because you don't want to have to yeah, save up all your joy just for the big moments. Mm-hmm. And when we do, I think we're often disappointed. Mm. Like we put all this pressure on it. Like, oh my gosh, I've saved for 10 years for this vacation. It's going to be everything. And it's not. There are moments of joy with it. But there are moments of joy and just like you said, doing a good deed for someone in your town. And, and I really, again, I think, what do I want to think back on when I'm at that reflection point? Mm. And these are the things. So I, I really love this uh, challenge that they've put together and, and really grateful that you shared it. Yeah, it sounds good. And yeah, like I say, I know I'm only reading from an article of, of somebody who's done it, but she certainly made it sound enticing enough to give it a go. And my discussion with you has made me even more excited about thinking, yeah, I definitely, definitely want to give it a go. So seven minutes a day for seven days, I think I can handle that commitment. (laughs) I also noticed that um, oftentimes when you tell me what you're going to share or when I share what I'm going to share, I do a little extra poking around and I like look for the author or I'll look for the topic, the subject or, you know, just see. And this journalist, I just looked at some of her articles and she has one about going gray. And oh, really? <laughs> that she, I didn't get to read it yet, but you know, she um, has alopecia and so she wears a wig. And so she could go gray overnight. You know, she could be wearing a brown wig today and tomorrow just be completely gray and just experience what that's like and what does it mean and stuff. So 
I just looked at the article and I can tell already with the humor that she used in the article you read that she's really making significant points, but does it in a way that you don't feel like you've been hit over the head with something, that you kind of enjoy thinking about it and laughing as you're digging into these bigger things. So I'm also looking forward to reading some of her other work. Yeah. Great. Okay, well, we've thrown down the gauntlet now. That's right. (laughs) Becky, if you're listening, we're roping you in too. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we need to have Becky come on and tell us her experience. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, until we get together next time, I hope you have a very wonderful week. Take good care, everybody. Bye-bye.